0: Coming up in two minutes is the second part of the first episode for season two. To listen to or watch the first part of this episode, check the description for clickable links. Before we begin, here's a short preview of today's episode, followed by a brief show and guest introduction.
1: I kind of feel like C.S. Lewis, the hell is the door that's locked from the inside. Like you said, separation from God. I don't think we have any idea what he's got in store.
2: I love that so much. That for me is where all hope resides. I
1: mean, if you. Do you think you're gonna go to hell for just loving everyone? Probably not. I mean, the most miserable people I know here are at the extremes of something that's a maybe. I love the people that I don't agree with too much to like make put my flag too far in the ground. I don't know. I don't know, but I know- I wanna just
2: hang out with you all day. (laughs) You and Michelle. I feel like what we go through in our lives are meant to help us find joy and find peace. And we go through our lives trying to figure out ways to undo that. Man, you get older and you start realizing, I don't want to waste another second, you know, worrying about crap that means nothing.
0: Welcome to the Good Grief, Good God Show, hosted by Grammy nominee and Emmy Award-winning hit songwriter, Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. Join Brad monthly on the first, third, and fifth Tuesdays audio or on YouTube for raw, honest conversation about surviving things that suck. For today's episode, Brad welcomes nine-time Grammy Award winners 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, singer-songwriter Sheryl Crow. Sheryl got her first big break, touring as a backup singer for Michael Jackson on his Bad Tour. Fast forward nearly 40 years later, she sold over 50 million records. She's a living legend who's captivated audiences worldwide. She will release her 11th studio record, Evolution, on March 28th. Available now to pre-order at SherylCrow.com. Lastly, not only is Cheryl a rock star, but she also utilizes her platform to advocate for mental health initiatives. I'm producer Matt Pivoto. To learn more about today's guest, Brad, and the show, check the description where you'll also find clickable links to access this episode's audio and video links, to connect to the show on social media, and to visit goodgriefgoodgodshow.com. There on the website you'll be able to access the most up-to-date show information and the back catalog of episodes plus. Lastly, we value your feedback, so please hit that like and subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. On the behalf of Brad's wife and executive producer, Michelle Warren, and segment producer, guest booker, Lisa Bolt, thank you for tuning in. The Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you loving memory of Sage Michael Warren.
1: By the way, if you want to cut this out, we can't. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I was really moved in your in the documentary when you talked about the the leaving Las Vegas guy. Um, the. a guy that wrote a book then you titled the song after and he didn't give him credit and i will say this you didn't give him credit on jay leno or was david letterman yeah or something and then the guy wound up killing him so
2: yeah Um, i I wasn't aware of him at that point i didn't even know um yeah one of the co-writers on that and i still don't even know whether the co-writer knew him or not because he has a history of being pathological I was going to say,
1: I've had artists that we're working with, mm-hmm. and they'll do a showcase, and they'll start talking about. It. I wrote this song with so and so. I wrote the song with the Warren Brothers. And I'm like, nobody cares. You just don't. You can't cover all the ground. I was just, I just felt like it was so unfair to you. Yeah, you know, like well, the whole situation. Anyone being, it was a
2: bad thing. And, just and so, when you're a kid, that's like. Um, and I wasn't a kid then. I was 29, you know. But when you're raised, and your parents say, you know, be a good person. Um all everything that happened around that challenged all of that. I'm like, but wait a minute, I how did this happen? I, I feel like I'm a good person. I'm constantly like everybody in the room got exactly the same amount of publishing splits, whether they were, you know, changing the toilet paper roll or yeah, yeah. and how did this happen yeah. and then somebody, you know, dies in the meantime. And, you know, I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for what life can throw at you, even if you're a good person, even if you're a shitty person, you know, it's, if you're a feeling person, then it all matters. And that took me into the darkest, darkest place. But the reality of it is, um, somebody doesn't kill themselves. Because of one thing, you know, and but I made it mine. I mean, I made it mine. Oh, for, yeah, it's so
1: unfair. And I don't get 29 still a kid to me now, especially.
2: Yeah, well, it I, is. It that, is. I,
1: that was just, I'm like, oh, God, that's so unfair that you would feel any part of that, much less. You know, as a parent and I know because I go through the we go through the things I don't feel guilt, but it takes work to not feel guilt. Yeah, I know that we did a lot and I know that we loved him and as much as we could have and I know that he knew he was loved and he would tell us I this is not your fault. I I had a great childhood. You guys are great parents. I this is not your fault. Um, And I'm genetically, you know, he he definitely got some of my genetics. Yeah. you're so close I, the drinking glad, I mean,
2: I, uh, not that I'm a therapist, but I'm glad that you know that with your heart and your body. Because I think those are the things that, for me, are hard to get over. Or I, I still reflect on things that are so far back in the past um, that I wish I could go back and just, you know.
1: Oh, hey, I take another swing at the plate. Yeah. I would certainly change things just out of well, circumstances. But you wouldn't but, be who
2: you are or where no. you are. And the same with me, you know. And... I, I I think you know one of the things that when I was going through breast cancer and really just like what the you know what what happened um this this guy who actually is a um He's very intuitive, I wouldn't say he's psychic, and he would say, don't ever call me a psychic. because like, everybody is intuitive, it just depends on how much you really wanna know, right? <laughs> so he's an acupuncturist in New York, but he was a, kind of like a life chiropractor for me. And one of the things he said, um, because I think what we do is we stay, we, we anesthetize ourselves throughout life, and especially as Westerners. We, we go through life with this, this belief that if we just just stay busy and don't think about her. Just you know, it'll don't wallow in it. You know, it'll eventually. It'll you know. And he's like, no, you. Unless you can hold an emotion, you know, that is the gateway to enlightenment. Is holding that emotion. And there was a year there where I did not pick up a pencil, or a journal, a guitar. I didn't go to the piano. I wouldn't allow myself to go and make it better by being clever or productive or in, any of it. And I and you didn't think that was good.
1: You needed that. I
2: had to do that because I'm like a person that I've shucked and jived my way through life. You know, I, i I decided that my parents were unhappy when I was little and if I could make them happy by being perfect and funny and cute and the, the most talented and highly successful, And then I'm out playing for millions of people around the world, and I'm still doing that. I'm like, "Love me! I I, look how talented I am! How funny! How, how! Look what look what I can do! I can play this! I can play that!" And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Wait a minute! You don't! You're not! You're not engaged! You don't have your stepkids! You're not going to have children! You are old! Britney Spears on on the radio, and you're about to turn forty, and you're um, you're facing your mortality. So now, what are you going to do?" Well, you can go write another song, but that's not gonna make all that stuff. Mm -mm. And there's a certain point where you have to like, hold the emotion and be mad and be sad and, um, and really hold it. And because if there are things that you want and desire, unless you can sit with the loneliness of not having it or with the pain of letting go of what you have had, all of those things, then you can't get to the point where you see um, light in your life, you know? And I mean, I look at you and I go, that's where you guys are. You've held the emotion, you've dug deep, you've you've grieved it. Doesn't mean grieving stops. Mm -hmm. Grieving becomes part of, it becomes part of something you do in order to just keep sweeping, you know, keep sweeping. And that has been, and that actually at that point, where I quit going to all the things I could do, and just sat with being who I was. Um, that's when all of a sudden I have a baby boy, you know, and I felt like writing a song, and mm-hmm. that song was just from him, him, and me, and it was called "God Bless This Mess." I mean, you know, but it's like Abdi said, you you don't get it until the second you get it.
1: Yeah, it's funny because um, I think that's part of why you are who you are and able to have both characters and be both, both characters, by the way. And I don't, I mean, you're not, you're not kiss putting makeup on before your show. I know that you're just you're the same person because you're funny when you're playing and you're funny when you're not. And it's, it's all there. But part of that thing where you strip it down and go, who am I without this? And I will say this, whatever this business and job is, I've been a little outside of it. I have, we're talking to, about some friends of ours before that are starting a record label thing i don't love music as much as some of my i love it i'm so grateful i really love like soulful things and i love playing and i enjoy playing it but i don't love music as much as a lot of my contemporaries they listen to it constantly and they listen to new stuff and old stuff and covers and they dig in and they want to write something like this and i love what i love but i can man when i go when i go home it's done i'm I'm good with it silence i tell you what i get Sage and I visit in the car a lot because I'm like, no radio. Just going to look at the sky and drive. And I spend time with my dead son in the car in dead silence. Same sounds a little weird, but it's awesome. <laughs> silence
2: is your friend. I mean, I when I was really uh, with both my boys, I'm, I'm a big meditator. Meditate in the morning, meditate in the evening. My um, now 16-year-old, when he was younger, would have trouble sleeping, and I gave him these meditation speakers called Now Speakers. Do you know those? No. Go on Amazon. I need to get them. They're amazing. They're only three minutes. They're tonal. And he would put them on at night, and they would – they they quiet the mind, but they also – because they're tonal and we know what music does vibrationally Mm -hmm. – very soothing and uh, i mean i think just even cellularly music can be um but you know I, i look at people who love music that are songwriters and for me i don't have that relationship i listen to music as a learner as somebody who i can't you know i can't enjoy it without analyzing it and now i'm at a place in my life where the reason i love music is the gratitude i feel with getting to share it with my sixty-year-old friends on yeah. stage, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. Um, it's 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 more of a it's less about the chords and the you know it's more about the experience and yeah. Um,
1: we are at the exact same spot. Yeah, like I, I mean, well, you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but, but I'm going to tell you something. On just my saying way here, in our hand and heart.
2: On yeah. my way here, literally, uh, like coming down Concord, I was like really want to start volunteering somewhere like music is so like I don't know man it's a gift and I keep unwrapping unwrapping that gift and it keeps like it's something new and cool but for me my soul is like I need to serve because man, I don't know. No, I mean, I, at a certain I, point, don't you feel like you're just being called to do something that's like.
1: 100% and this music is now feeling. more of a platform. Yeah. Then like, if we weren't for music, I would never would have met you and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about God and grief and things that I would have thought, well, I want to be Joe Rogan and talk to MMA fighters if I'm going to do a podcast or if I'm going to play music, I want to be, you know, actually I'd want to be Sheryl Crow and I want to be on stage every night. But the truth is like God's plan for me just, this wasn't what I wanted to be. And thank God, because the truth is left to my own devices, I'm kind of a selfish prick.
2: I mean, it's I'm serious. I'm like all about the infinite possibility. I'm like, God, I am so glad you know me better than me because yeah. I would have fucked it up like 15 times yeah. just on my way here, you know what I mean? And it, I, I, I find peace in that. Um, I find peace in as long as I can get out of my own way, at least, of the time, um, I'm on the right path.
1: Did, did, did having breast cancer put you more in that mode of like surrender? Like I, there's just, I don't have so much control. I'm not going to live forever. Is it, was there a,
2: yeah, I I think, um, I mean, and listen, I, I do not like who I was when I was involved with Lance and, um, and everyone on this planet is is lovable and is deserves to be loved um and my problem with lance is was me um i didn't i did not like who i was and when i came out of that and i had breast cancer the two of those together um made me revisit who i was you know i i I have a philosophy about life that you have all these events that happen in your life that serve to help remind you of who you are and um, I just got so far away from it I didn't know who I was anymore I didn't have any recollection of of who I was who I was born as just essence wise and you ever
1: think that you earned the breast cancer you know
2: I think it was I think it saved my life you know I tell people all the time I don't recommend having to go through trauma to get to this place but sometimes it serves you. And sometimes it is the thing that your life in a weird way cries out for in order for you to get back to, you know, who you are. And- I um, wish I could have
1: all of the effects of this without without losing, losing my son. Yes. I would love to go back 20 years and go, man, what couldn't you have been able to accomplish? And I don't know if it even looks like accomplishment from the outside, but the kind of person you could have been, if you could take yourself, but we.
2: But it doesn't work like doesn't that. Doesn't work like that. No, and like us, it's like I said, or like Abdi said. I I give Abdi the credit. You don't get it until the second you get it, and when you get it, it's you get it. Yeah, and you, you don't know? let go of it because. And you don't let go of it. You know, it is a part of your fiber. And who could have predicted our lives? You know.
1: I mean, it's it's funny because the the music business isn't a talent contest, but. It's it's not it's just not. Um, and we don't even have to go into that. But like in in my uh, purview of you, you are the talented one. I mean, t- t- to what I like to listen to, whatever, and and yet you have the best outlook. And by the way, I have some friends that, that are huge in the business with great that are great friends and great people. I'm I'm just putting you at the top of that heap because I really do. Just really. Um, and maybe it's the fact that we get your. I think that. I love music and I love playing it but I'm not like it doesn't define me this you know it's not like I don't, I'm not doing it all the time yeah um this is the last time I'll talk about music all day you know or I,
2: I can talk about it all day I mean my feeling about it is what what you're saying is I I feel exactly the same except w- with regards to me like I look at my life and go okay, it's not a talent contest and what kills me about it is I know people that are so, like far more talented than me, far more. You do look at it and you go, why, why me? Because I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm, And this is not to get a response, but I'm not the greatest player. I'm not the greatest singer. Um, I'm not even the greatest writer. I mean, I'm not the greatest at anything in in comparison to people that I've come up with, um, people that I've played with, people I've written with, people who I look at and go, God, I wish I'd have written that, or I wish I could play like that, or I wish I had that. Um, it isn't a talent contest because if it was, I would definitely not be here. But all that to say, you're not the fastest
1: player and you're not the highest singer, but that's music is subjective. It's not a it's not a race and it's not it, a it, that, it's that, not it, a football that's right. game.
2: That's it. it that, all that
1: it's really up to the, the people. But I, yeah, there's maybe it's just what I like, but I, I don't give you that as some bullshit because it's not. I mean, like, it's
2: well, I mean, all that to say, I, I mean, I don't I don't know why I've had this life and um and you know I worked with Olivia Rodriguez recently on a couple of occasions and she's 20. I mean when I was 20 I was waiting tables, you <laughs> know, and I was sleeping through classes and I mean it's weird. I didn't I mean I was like a fully formed person and then my life changed and now I'm back to the person that I was but I get to play music. But I'm I That's mean literally awesome. I'm just like that's I'm a mom. Really and I'm trying to figure out where to go volunteer. And you know, it's just a weird life. Life is weird. You can be all kinds of things all at once, but the only thing we can be is true to ourselves. And it, our, we we spend our whole lives trying to figure out who that is. I mean, that to me is like, what is so mind blowing is that you spend your whole life trying to figure out, well, okay, I was raised by these people, but I'm not, and I, was, and I do this, but I'm not like, and the only thing you, the only place you can find yourself is in those silences, mm-hmm. you know, and Sage is still teaching you,
0: you oh know, and it's,
2: I look at it and go, that is what God, that's so much bigger than a book with parables and, and tomes and it's bigger.
1: Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just bigger. It's bigger than we can even, um, fathom and when when my I was raised super 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 like um Southern Baptist but charismatic so we like spoke in tongues at a Baptist yeah, church so yeah, we yeah, evangelical Baptist so it was yeah but it was really double intense, whammy so we were judgy and crazy and um like they laid <laughs> and hands see, we up. were
2: Presbyterians they were like you just do what you want. If you want to you can play cards, just come just to church like, every once in a while and write a check. Okay. Presbyterian is the last I denomination
1: wearing. I can't really find anything wrong with. I mean, they, they seem to have control of their one yeah. glass of whiskey and they'll sit and pontificate on some theology. Oh, yes, we read, you um, know. Yeah, we, the smarter, more sophisticated version of, of uh My grandma's religion. like, we're the frozen chosen.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Not yeah. a lot of not a lot of fireworks. Comes in. <laughs> I was that kid and then whatever happened and then I look back and on a day when I can experience the pain and let it, and then leave it there, I can look back and go, well, you just said it. You said, I, I'm back to the person I was back then. And I'm like, okay, man, it's, it's kind of hard to remember 18 year old Brad, but it's, it's been a crazy run. Like we did it in a way. And and the, um, the, the, the idea that I have someone over there that's just as important as anyone here to me, it keeps me from being afraid of, Anything. Being afraid and
2: being afraid of death.
1: Even. Not afraid of death. Not at all. A matter of fact, I'm a little bit afraid of like physical pain because although I try to put myself through it as much as I can, I'm cold plunging and whatever I can do to like get okay with pain. But I, if it was a door, I'd walk through it right now. I'm not I'm just not afraid. And that only comes with losing someone really important to you. Um,
2: and and I and I you know I want to go some, one step further and say it also comes from losing yourself I mean and letting go of all the attachments you know I I remember uh, I used to know Glenn Campbell and then uh, uh, and then being around him when he yeah I mean comes there's something really awful about losing your memory like what's happening with my mom but there's a certain point where you don't have attachment to anything and like my mom right now is... In a place where she's pretty happy. And I think part of it is that some of those attachments are just not there anymore. All of them. You know, all the things that you associate that are ego, you associate with who you are. It's like the Eckhart Toll, the New Earth or whatever. All the things that you associate who you are with, when you start peeling those away, um, there's much more peace about being on the other side, yeah. you
1: know, yeah. I mean, I was, I've hated flying. I've flown all over the world, hating to fly, you know? And then when I got sober 18 years ago, it got better. You know, I'm like, okay, we're afraid, got to, afraid of flying. Okay. Oh, we had a flight when I was like 20 years old, a bunch of bands from Tampa, which is where I'm from, flew to New York city and it was called the orange to apple tour. And we were going to play like CBGB's and you know, some other places in New York. And it was like five bands and uh, it was a United airlines flight or one of those one of those old airlines. And um the plane just free fell at some point. Like all the masks came down, the f- drink cart hit the ceiling, the flight attendant fell over my lap and our bass player was sitting right there and she's screaming at the top. Oh my God, oh we're gonna die. It just free fell sideways. And um, my dad was an air traffic controller and a private pilot and he loved aviation, and whatever. And, and uh, so we had flown in like little little Cessna planes and yeah, just never thought about it. And for like 22 seconds probably, I knew I was going to die and I was not uh, in a place where I knew where I was going or whatever. I was in my 20s. And so from that flight on, and it's funny, we had a, like a 25 year reunion with those people on that flight about five years ago. And all of the people on that plane that were on, I mean, I talked to 20 guys and all of them lived the rest of their lives a little bit afraid to fly. It was a really crazy flight. So Brett and I were both a little, I mean, we're on Australia, like I took so many pills on the flight to Australia that I, yeah. I almost shit my pants. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was so terrified. Um, and then I got sober, it got better. Now? Are you kidding me? I not hang out, I'm still on the wing. With Michelle and I kind of laugh and I actually, like, I've actually prayed for, I could see someone really nervous. We had a really bumpy flight and just people were like, and I was like. God, give them comfort. I know what they're coming through. And that is so not me to like, like pray for someone else instead of laughing at them. i um, being happy, but those things are gifts. Those are gifts. And you said Sage is your greatest teacher. He was my greatest teacher when he was here. So much like me. And, and he continues to be my greatest teacher there. And, and there's a gift every day that he's left us with. If we, if we grab it. And one of those things yeah. is like, just, we're just not afraid of death. Yeah. And, um, in fact, Michelle and I both. Like, you better not freaking die and leave me here. I mean, well, see, is. that's the only
2: thing. <laughs> you no, know, that's my only attachment. You know, is my kids, because I'm not afraid of it. Um,
1: do you have any? Uh, do you have any paranoia? Do you live with that parental paranoia?
2: I don't. Actually, it's funny when I was on the Jackson tour. I, we were flying so much that I. Started feeling afraid of flying, and um, our sound guy was um, one of the survivors from the Leonard Skinner crash. Go sit next to him, I was like, It can never happen twice. I, yeah, he um, wasn't afraid
1: to fly at all either. By the way, they got Ken Peden that was on the Skinner flight, he died recently, but he was like, Oh, this never happened again. again. See, I would have never gotten on a plane again,
2: (laughs) really. I don't, I don't have those fears. It was kind of funny, we watched, um. Levi, is my very literal one. He's the one who's like, "Mom, do you know anybody that's gone to hell?" And I'm like, "Besides your grandmother, probably not." Um, Wait, I'm like, uh,
1: Thirteen or sixteen. Thirteen. Thirteen.
2: Okay. He's my like accountant. Yeah.
1: He's very literal, right? Yeah. And I know yeah.
2: that you go to school and you learn about Jesus and the Bible so is really comforting. And he's like, "And I said, I don't believe, I don't believe in hell. I believe you can have hell, you know. God, and the Bible says God is love, and if separation from love is." you know separation from god is is what i think we can have here on earth you know and right. anyway we were watching this um i think it was nat geo we love all the science jails and uh they they had these um paranormal uh tv shows where you could watch people watching like ghosts move through their house and there was one where this these two guys you could hear them it was probably in iran or iraq they were like uh, they see this ghost moving and you hear him go Allah Allah and it had it uh, um, subtitles and it said uh, loving God God, uh, creator of all things uh, God of love and it was all Allah Allah and it was in Farsi and he was scratching his head just going "Who, who is Allah and I was explaining you know the religions that have been around for three thousand years before christianity blah, 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 Allah is their God and he's like well do they not believe in Jesus and I said well It's sort of like you and me. I was born to a Christian family. You were born to me, I'm a Christian. Um, They were born to Islam or Muslim or whatever they were born to, so they believe in that. And um, the next day on the way to school, he's like, well, mom, what if we die and we find out that they were right and we were wrong? And I was like, buddy, that's not God. I mean, I know that the Bible says, you have to love jesus in order to get to heaven but you will ask all the questions just like you have just like i have you will go through periods in your life where everything you believed in and were raised to believe starts to come into question and you will go on a truth-seeking mission which may last the rest of your life for me i've come to a place in my life i believe that god loves us enough to save us over and over and over again
1: and you Uh, know okay so i I mean, first of all, Levi's my hero. That's a great question because I honestly go over that. And I always say that about just within Christianity, just the different denominations. I mean, surely I think he's so probably frustrated with that. I'm going to make sure none of y'all are right about it, especially now when Christians are acting like such meanies. Love is our key. We head towards that. And, you know, like I would ask my mom, what about the billion people in India that never heard of Jesus and the the 17 year old that starved to death? what what he never heard that well and they tried it well that before he died and then they you know this this you know everyone's had a everyone that died that means something to us had something happened right before they died like i i don't know that i was taught this directly but when i was a kid i assumed and we assumed in our religion that if you committed suicide you went to hell yeah. because your last act was murder and all you know whatever um well now i'm with a group of dads that have lost children, there are more than one suicide in that group. Are you kidding me? Like, the God that I know, who had a worse day than the person that had to take their life? Who had a worse day than that? And we really are, we're gonna teach our children that that person that had that terrible day is gonna be condemned. I just can't buy into it. I know God more than I ever have, closer than I ever have. in a more real way. And that just, that's just that's not who he is. He's not. And, you know, actually Cleveland. Yeah, she is a great thing. Yeah. when She was in the hospital bed after she had her daughter and and she heard a voice say where God said to her, I'm not who you think I am. And I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard because and she was raised with the, you know, the, the guilt of religion or whatever. I'm like, that's just it. That's who I've I have come to know a God that is not who I thought he was. And I kind of feel like C.S. Lewis, the hell is a door that's locked from the inside. Like you said, separation yeah. from God. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have any idea what he's got in store. And you know, my mom was and convinced I, that when 1999. I, mean,
2: 1999- I, I, I love that so much. That for me is where all hope resides. You know, I'm not who you think I am. We gotta quit thinking about, you know, and listening to other people and I, it's, There's such freedom, and I just tell my boys, look, you just, all you have to do in your life is look around and ask, we're we're gonna help somebody. Yeah, That's it, that's it, I mean.
1: I mean, if you, do you think you're gonna go to hell for just loving everyone? Probably not. Right. Any kind of hell, even here. Like, I mean, the most miserable people I know here are uh, at the extremes of something that's a maybe. You know what I mean? Right. They, either far out here or far out here or the other way, both things being a maybe. And I'm like, man, I'm just not going to I, ha- I love the people that I don't agree with too much to like make put my flag too far in the ground. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I know. I want to just hang
2: out with you all day. <laughs> you and Michelle. I just want to I want to stay here, here in, move this. in this fa- fabulous, unbelievable house. It's so beautifully decorated. No, it's true. I mean, I think. I mean, I I feel like I feel like what we go through in our lives are, unless we're missing it, are meant to help us find joy and find peace, and we go through our lives trying to figure out ways to undo that. Um, and man, you get older and you start realizing I don't want to waste another second. You know, worrying about crap that means nothing, you know?
1: Well, and what's worse than being, I'll say your age because you're the rock star, but being our age and trying to be something that you used to be or trying to be something that you're not or that you never were. It's great saying a friend of mine in, in AA that says, uh, you're not who you think you are. You're not who they think you are. And you're most definitely not who you think they think you are. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it.
2: I love that.
1: I just stopped.
2: Can we just go get a couple of guitars? Can we just write that right? Yes, now?
1: Yeah, you're, not, you're not who you think <laughs> you <we'll> are. And <laughs> we'll cut him in. Yeah,
2: We'll cut yeah. him yeah. in to the lyrics.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he's kind of a genius guy, Steve Lee. I'll give him a little on air credit. Okay, um, It is absolutely like not just the first time i so three and a half years I lost my son. I don't fucking care what anyone thinks, and it's not in a bad way, not in a, like a screw because my my road was forked very clearly because I'm an alcoholic because I yeah I always had a I've said it on here before I had a deal with God like you take one of my kids I'm drinking again all bets are off, and it just never occurred to me and like especially the way he died in fentanyl and and you know him struggling with drugs and alcohol himself. I'm like, well, that's not what I'm choosing. So my other alternative is full swing this way. And like I said, the first time I've ever done anything that didn't have a personal gain, it's just the first time I just don't care what anyone thinks. And the truth is, I'm probably more well thought of than I ever was when I cared, you know, the irony.
2: And you don't even care about whether you're well thought, more well thought of. I think, you know, um, I did during COVID, I went down the, Eckhart Tolle rabbit hole. Um, The Trump years really um, did a number on my family. And there was a point where my loving, close-knit family had trouble being in a room together. And also, COVID did as well. Like the whole mask thing and the whole, just all of it really brought out some demons. And I wound up sort of like, um, while my kids were Home doing their their schoolwork. I was like folding laundry and listening to Eckhart Tolle. and there's so much truth in the um in in that book. I couldn't read it because it's just too too many big words, but listening to him and just doing little bits and pieces of it, there were so many things that reminded me that so much of who we are is based on what we believe and what we believe about ourselves and being right and um and being quiet is is such a game changer when it comes to that. And also being able to um, listen and not speak and uh, listen and not judge. And all those things are really hard to do because it's our nature to do it. But the freedom that you're talking about, about not caring, that is your releasing ego. And man, I I really firmly believe that the more ego we we release, the more we let divinity saturate um which is
1: no easy feat and in any given argument or conflict the louder angrier person is usually wrong and even yeah. if they're not wrong based on the, the fundamentals of it i'm like i i come from a fundamentality that i basically agree with basically yeah but um i'm not obsessed with any of it and i i'm willing to be wrong like i'm not i'm not going to get to god Heaven, whatever. And if he says, if if I get to heaven and God says, hey, man, my name was Pete the whole time. wasn't Jesus. I don't know what these people are <laughs> talking about. It. My name's Pete. Call me Pete. I'm not going to be, oh, my God, I can't deal with it. And if Hitler and Jeffrey Epstein walk by me and I'm not going to freak out because I don't. I'm not yeah. going to be surprised. Yeah, it's just not that is. It's just not up to me. That's a freedom, and we've held on to things that we're so sure about. And we've, by the way, I say we, not probably not you and I so much, but religion have interpreted the Bible, which has been retranslated many, many times to to fit what we think. I just have to be honest. I stopped. Oh, I, know. I stopped. I still read the things that I, I feel like talk to me. Yeah. What Jesus said is pretty, pretty stellar. Like, yeah. You can't really go wrong there. Yeah. But I'm not delving into like the Old Testament stuff where Abraham was going to kill his son. Because my mom and I had the big talk about that the other day. I said, and she's talking about how much she's arguing with a Jewish, very close friend of hers yeah. about that point. I said, mom, you should just let that one be. Well, no, and he he was willing. I said, let me ask you this, mom, would you, would you slit my throat if God told you to? And she said, well, I mean, uh, what do you mean, God? I said, if God told you to. (laughs) You said that God told you, you told me God tells you to do things all the time. And she kind of had to stop. I'm like, if you wouldn't slit my throat, then you can't back up Abraham on this. And if you would slit my throat, then you'd be incarcerated. I don't know if that's, that's one of those questions I'm going to have for God there. I'm not going to, that's not the hill I'm going to die on with a a Jewish friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just...
1: we have gotten so argumentative about things that we, and by the way, I'm probably argumentative about being not argumentative. That's my well, new argumentative thing. See,
2: my 13 year old is that he's, he's, this is what he, he, this is where he lives. I mean, he needs to understand, like, literally, like, he's the one that said, we're studying the Old Tes- Testament. And mom, God was so mean. And I'm like,
1: I really need to hang out with that kid. Yes, <laughs> is, yes, you do. I mean, really, he's, yes, he, you do. He's a deep thinker. He is,
2: he's a deep thinker. He's a deep he thinker. is. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that I just, I just look at my kids and go, I don't, I don't know everything, but I got a list. I got I a list. M- I don't mosquitoes. know. I don't know. Mosquitoes. What? Why? What purpose they serve? God. Just wondering, you know, little things. Dementia. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> losing a child. I mean, I losing guess we're a supposed to lose a, here's here's the crazy thing about losing a child and coming to terms of death, like his, in general, Michelle's grandfather was 96, 97. Um, and he died about a year after Sage, this little tiny, beautiful Italian man, never owned a home, the sweetest, most giving. He literally we had to stop him from giving all of their money to anyone who would stop at the door with a bucket. You know, He would just give anything. The sweetest man ever, whatever heaven has to offer, he's got the best out of it. He was that dude. And Sage had died you know, a year or so before, and um, I was so happy when he died, so happy for him. I was like, yeah, wow. like he he's in it now. Yeah. He is the pimp of heaven right yeah. now. Like he's, he's, it's, and I thought in this little blip that we're here, he and Sage are the exact same amount gone. Like they're both gone. I'm still here, but those guys are, my dad died when he was 60, 20 something years ago. He's as gone as my son. I immediately, by the way, felt a lot of my dad when my son died, I felt him very strongly. Um, man, we're, we I, I think about like, uh, because we talk about songwriters all the time, I'm not sure it's gonna be a job for the next generation. It's just streaming changes the whole deal, it's just maybe not be. And I'm like, man, this is a blip. Like rock and roll music, country music especially, modern country music where songwriters get paid, it's just a blip on the screen yeah. of, the AI will probably be making better music than all of us in three or four years. and. Oh, I'm like yeah. it's just not that important. What I think is important is is not. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get too. Mar- is it I, weird?
2: I, and I, I I catch myself like even talking about AI. I catch myself getting really, like I go down that rabbit hole of what are my kids going to hear it, and and then I go, okay, well I'm probably not going to be here. Not that that brings me peace, but there's certain things that you can't do anything about, and the AI thing. It is terrifying to me. But I look at us and I go, well, we are who and how and where we are. And we only only we have anything to do with how we got here and where we're going. I mean, that's one of the reasons I go, okay, music is great, but where can I volunteer? What can I, you know?
1: We're a pretty barbaric species if you think about it. We have it with all the technology we have and a lot of better things about it. I'm looking around one. I didn't even I, I literally called at the behest of an, a Jewish friend that we were called my Jewish friends and said, for the most part, all of them and just said, I just want, you to know, I love you. And if there's anything I can do because I, I didn't realize I didn't really realize there's a lot of anti-Semitism. I don't see racism because my kids grew up with, with playing ball. With the Black friends were they're cooler than them. Yeah. They, they liked them better. I liked them better. I didn't. Yeah, it just wasn't really a thing. But, you don't you don't see it all. And um, we haven't really come that far.
2: I know and it's shocking to early, to me. the early Old
1: Testament to truth. It looks the same. If you look at a street full of angry people, it looks the same as what I read in the Old Testament. Yeah, they're ready to stone someone in the street for how they were born. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and I feel like the more we are connected through technology, the more separated we are. It's like we're we're going backwards.
1: Yeah. yeah oh, oh. You know, social media is the Antichrist it's the antichrist (laughs)
2: i had a conversation with uh somebody at our school who's who's not there anymore which is such a bummer because i love him so much he went to a school in alabama but we started talking about it and i said because i started a program that i really wanted to get off this off the ground but it didn't go anywhere called the Look Up program um did i ever talk to you about that michelle i don't know but
1: i love the name of it i know that's awesome (laughs)
2: yeah and it was like you know how um the Strong bands, the yellow bands, we yeah. had purple bands made. And I held a big thing with all the teachers and all the students in fourth grade and their parents and said, let's start a club. And we can even make it, you know, something that is a resume oriented thing, you know, and with uh, officers and um, make it a real incentive that we don't have our kids on social media as a school until they're 16 or whatever age we agree. And that we, Really propagate if we are going to give out the Christ like award in grade school. Why don't we just make it where everybody looks up? You know, look up at trees, look up at the sky, look up at the heavens. Just don't look down at this, you know? And it was so great for a minute. Summer came, parents came back, and it was like, you know, they love their kids being distracted while they're distracted, you know? And um, it's just,
0: it, it, is, and it a, is the
2: Antichrist. I mean, it is the one thing that separates us that, you know,
1: I don't know. We were on a bus about four years ago when social media was first becoming whatever. Brett and I were on a bus riding with an, an artist in, in North Carolina. And there was a group of people, guys in the band, the artist, a couple other writers, me and Brett, and we're not, we have social media, and my friend Lisa does post it for us. Yeah. Um. And I don't even have my own account. This is a Warner Brothers account. There's a good grief, good God account. And it's, there's some good things that can be had, but. For, you're you're
2: for, talking to like a dinosaur over here. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I can tell someone else does yours too. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm so happy because. Yes. Um, my old
2: nanny who became my assistant who does my social media. Perfect, and my kids perfect. are like, mom, you're born yeah. in the 1870s.
1: No, it's, yeah. my kids have thanked me for not being on it. Like, oh God, thank you for not telling about it. Oh my, son oh my God.
2: Run. We're getting ready to do some TikTok stuff. I don't know on TikTok. And Levi was like.
1: Mom, you can't go on TikTok. That is so cringy. <laughs> it is cringy. So anyway, I'm sitting, or sitting on this bus with these, this group of creative people and they're all, and they're laughing and they're, they're talking to each other via social media with three or four other people added on and they haven't looked up from their phones and Brett and I are looking at each other like, what the hell is going on here? No one has looked up, but they're enjoying each other. Oh, did you see what he posted? And they're, that's the only time they've looked up to see what someone else posted. And I was like, oh my God, look up, I'm, I'm in.
2: I know. I mean, it terrifies me.
1: I'll be the captain of the guard with that.
2: I literally want to become like a, um, some sort of like, um, trail leader, like taking people out on hikes and things. Cause I'm just like, dude, you gotta get that phone out of your hand.
1: Uh, it's funny because I've discovered, uh, not, not only discovered hiking, I like drug Michelle. <laughs> we went with some friends and we hiked rim to rim in the grand Canyon. Um, And um, we figured out the day before that my friend had booked the wrong hike where we actually had to carry We had thought the donkeys were going to take our stuff down, but we had to carry these enormous packs. Oh, my gosh. So she weighs about 90 pounds and the pack was 35. How did
2: you do it? You had to be like,
1: oh, I carried like half her stuff. And so my pack's huge. Her pack is still huge on her. Yeah. Anyway, I love hiking. But I have no sense of direction. So I do, I like, I'll put my phone in my pocket and put it on silent in case I get lost and I can yeah. map myself out of there. Do
2: you have signal in the bottom of the Grand Canyon? See, so yeah, that's one of my, that's bucket list. I wanna take my kids on the Grand Canyon. No, we did not thing. have signal at the bottom yeah. of the
1: Grand Canyon, but we had it further than you would think. I didn't even mess with it. And we we brought the phone down, I just so I could listen to like a podcast okay. at night so that I could go to sleep. Cause yeah. I have a terrible habit of watching something while I'm yeah. going to sleep. I know that's, that's bad, but it was awesome. Yeah, three days. And uh,
2: only three days you did the whole thing in three days, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, you camped
1: over. She didn't know, I didn't realize she never camped ever, really. And and we we had so the first night she ever spent in a tent ever was at the bottom, of the, so there was no like run to a hotel, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I figured, I'm did, like, they well, come,
2: did they Did set, they set it up for you and stuff? No, no, no we them?
1: brought tents. We had it. I mean, there was a guy, we had a guide, but okay. he didn't even set the tent up. And I'm, I'm me, I am not Mr. Yeah. Uh, my dad was Mr. Outdoors Hunter guy. And so we had this we carried our own tent and we set it up and, and yeah, then this first time wherever she was low grade fever, mad at me the whole time. Like, I can't believe you got me in this, but it was awesome. But I love hiking. I would, I, and my kids, the two that are still with us, the 19 and 23 and come ahead, let's go for a hike. I mean, they work out and they sauna and do the cold plunges and they're, I mean, they're into all of it. I'm like, let's go hike. It's great for you. Like. I'm not hiking. I'm like, why? You're in the gym. Yeah. You'll run, but my you kids are the
2: same way. They're like, where are we going? I'm like, that's not the point. A complaint. circle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they just don't get it. Yeah. So I, okay, well, I'm glad it's not just mine.
2: No, mine are totally the same. What like, are what also are they? running? I'll say I'm gonna go out for a run. Why? Where? Are yeah. where? where are you going? I'm going around the neighborhood. Why?
1: <laughs> you know. I just you know what I've learned to just like be more of a more of a like a. Um, just a commentator of, of, of uh, an influence on their lives now instead of a you're dictator. An influencer. Yeah, an influencer. Uh, just them, like just do what they want to do. So we, I, I'm glad they love to work out. So yeah. we do that. I'm like, you don't like to hike? It's like beautiful out, and you're climbing. I'm like, no, wow, we'll just run.
2: I get a lot of no, just no. What
1: are or, they into? What are, What do they like? I mean, okay, their- so
2: um, my Levi, who's 13, does every sport. Loves baseball, would really love football, but I don't think genetically it's gonna be very big. But um and basketball, I don't think he's gonna be very tall, but um, but he loves it. And loves loves baseball. And then my older son um is on a bass fishing team. He and his buddy oh, wow. brought bass fishing. That's awesome. Sat with the head of schools and asked if they would support a bass fishing team which basically means very little I mean you have to have a boat it's like the The most expensive it's not like buying a bass a baseball bat
1: Jude had a friend they actually talked about it because I'm like well by the way you already play basketball and baseball you're not and I'm not buying a bass boat so I don't know who's thinking we did it we bought
2: the bass boat he's all in it takes a different kind he's you know he's the one that poured over the books you're eight hours in a boat whether you're catching it or not you know and he's built for it I don't he, want to do
1: anything for, for eight, eight hours, hours. Me neither. nothing. I, I can't even sleep for eight hours. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. My God, I wish I could.
2: Yeah. Um, now he's, he's, and he's also always known that he wants to be a, um, a marine biologist. He wants to work right on, on coral reefs. I had to get certified in scuba as a 55 year old so we could scuba <laughs> yeah. and.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, you it is. It?
2: But I mean, it's crazy. I do love it. I'm not built for the hundred. You know, I'm like, once you get to the hundred, you need to get somebody else. I mean, I'm good at 40. I'm good at 60. I'm not going down that far. But yeah. um, but he's always known. It's where he's a badass bass player.
1: Really? You don't care? I'm
2: like, when girls see a bass player, as opposed to a guy in a scuba suit, they're going to go the bass player. Yeah,
1: so. but now, but later, here's the thing. The, the musician can get the girl, can't keep the girl. Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that's true. That's and they true. rarely keep the yeah. girl. That's it's like, you know, it's like I, yeah. I had to stop acting like I came home from the very first tour we did opening for Faith and we're coming. I came home with whatever I had brought back with me. And, and Michelle was like, Hey, guess what? I'm not a groupie. I don't care what you do for a living. You're not yeah. acting like that. Get your lawn, do your own laundry. <laughs> i think i complained about my laundry or something i did my own laundry for about five years and now when she does my laundry i don't complain at all about about that but you're, there is you're,
2: you're ble- that goes into the blessed oh you know
1: 100 yes 100 um that's so cool man i do your, your kids i know how much you love them they're and I,
2: awesome i mean i would have loved anything honestly but i i hit pay dirt yeah. on those two they're tight they're except for when they hate each other
1: By the way, that's necessary, too.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, and they work it
1: out every day for probably 10 years. Not kidding. They've
2: not fist fought yet. But I can tell you what, my 13 year old would take my 16 year old in like a nanosecond.
1: (laughs) Brett was younger than me, even though he looks older than me. And he he was he's like a black belt and. Taekwondo or one of the, anyway, bro was always a good fighter, but he was yeah. he was a good fighter. Like he wound up we would, we did a lot of bar fighting for a period of time, and he would knock guys out bigger than them. But I always thought it was strange that my little brother was like because I, I beat him up easily, yeah. and then all of a sudden one day I couldn't beat him up easily, and then another day and I couldn't beat him up at all. I'm like <laughs> this is so weird, man. He's my we're teenagers, and I think this kid could kick my ass. And um, turns out he's a really good fighter.
2: Oh my gosh, that's and, uh, hilarious. And we did
1: okay, but yeah, they'll that's awesome. Yeah, that they have their. They're dynamic. Yeah. And and I can tell you, I mean, I I just gotta say, you are awesome and you know what I think about you musically and career wise and whatever, but you're a great person. Oh, just the fact you. that you're here, I, we didn't even talk about the Hall of Fame very much, but I'm so proud of you for that. And it's, it's amazing and it's absolutely deserved. I mean, I'm just uh it's just honored. So before we go, I always end with a um with a question, a two part question for, for everyone. What is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And what's the best thing that came out of that?
2: I mean, I guess I would point to um, that moment that culminated with breast cancer. And I mean, I I had some things along the way. I mean, in the documentary, there was a year in there where I dealt with sexual harassment and but all those things kind of led up to the moment where I felt like I'd been stripped of everything. Like I didn't even recognize my life anymore. I couldn't even figure out where I fit into my own life or what that life was. It was something I created and it wasn't, didn't feel authentic and I I was really lost. But the thing that came out of it, a couple of things. I think the idea that, um, you know, if if you keep putting pain away, if you keep, pressing your wounding down to the very, very bottom and just piling everything else on top of it, it just is gonna keep coming up like barf, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and to finally sit and hold it and digest it and get rid of it um, was a huge factor for me because I had always been somebody that took care of everybody before myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I came out of it with was a belief in infinite possibility that Everything I thought I was controlling and creating um, was hindering me. Mm -hmm. It was keeping me small and and unfulfilled.
1: Let me ask you this, because I don't know when it happened with you, but like in this business, it's very easy to not have this. But you have very real relationships like like.
2: All of my friends are on my payroll. Like,
1: Well, no, no, (laughs) but like like the Hamiltons, you know, and like your friend, your friend, Laura Dern. So I don't, I don't know her. I've seen her in in movies or TV or whatever, but I definitely know her. I could tell in the documentary how much she loved you and how much you loved her. It's, it's not easy to, I mean. I do believe that
2: God does have a lot of, like you were talking about coincidences, how there are no coincidences. I do believe that God Um, has inserted certain people into my life that were are familiar to me in ways i can't explain and i'm sure you have people like that as well and now that you've lost sage you you understand that the veil between consciousness is is so thin that you've probably known many of the people simultaneously in all of your lives and i do believe that and i believe that I mean, even like talking about Lance, I believe that I probably have known him and he was an insert into this life in order to help me to remember who I was. Hmm. I believe that Laura has been in all of my life. She's familiar to me in a way that I can't understand. Um, And I I have people like my manager, I have people in my life that have been here still with me for like 37
1: years. That's unbelievable, by the way. It is unbelievable. That doesn't happen, ever. I just, I don't know, I mean. Which one of you is codependent? It's probably me. <laughs> That's amazing, by the way, that you can <laughs> do trust you do someone.
2: Do you know Enneagrams? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so like I'm, I'm a loyalist, right? Yeah. Um, all my relationships. What number is that? A six, I think it is. I'm a six
1: and a three or something. Or six I'm a six nine.
2: and a three, I think. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I'm a loyalist. Here's
1: why this doesn't work for me, okay. the Enneagram. Because when you when they ask you the questions, some of them are based on who you would be instinctually right and then others ask you like what you would be now i've changed so much, and i'm not trying to it's not a horn tuning thing but no, my totally worked a lot on changing my instincts yes. for so long some of the answers are conflicting because yeah. my instinct is to do this but i would say absolutely not now for right. that thing so i'm, I'm right. a little confused yeah. but i am like a 369 or something it's really odd
2: yeah no i i i haven't dug totally into like all the machinations of it how you can have a wing or i i don't i don't understand all of it but i do know i'm i'm a person that keep that i don't want to say keeps because everybody has free will but the people in my life that are still here are people that i worked hard to work with because i loved them and i loved how i felt about me around them i trusted them and they're all still here and that that to me is like the blessing i think sometimes for artists uh, or people in entertainment or people who are um, in a field that accrues a lot of money. There's always this feeling of like, I don't trust that person. Or w- what are they after? or And that was never me. For me, it was always family building a family.
1: It says a lot about both of you uh, that you that you and your manager have been the guy. I mean, it really does say a lot because He's
2: put up with a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he and so have you, I'm sure. But there um, the ego comes in um, I've we've seen it all up close, but even when we had managers, I would be oh they're not Ken Levitan, who's literally the greatest, biggest manager of all time that I ever know of. I'm like he's not doing enough for us. We're drunk jerks without too. without a without a hit. And yeah, I mean, I look back and go, oh my god, I've I think I've apologized to him like ten times. I'm like hey man, I'm sorry, we were we were assholes for like a decade. But
2: it's part of it. I mean, it's part of like what feeds that because you you wouldn't be where I'm at without a ginormous ego. And I understand it. I also have the, the imposter syndrome. So it's like, while I have this ego that's, oh my God, I'm so great. There's this other part of me that's like, you really are not great. You suck. and. Nobody's buying this. I mean, it's You really a have the imposter syndrome? Oh, yes. I, Actually, mean, I, think, I thought everyone
1: had it, but I, I heard a great quote recently. It's, I never underestimate a man who overestimates himself.
2: Oh, I love that. <laughs> Which is great. I love that. Because it's a lot of that, you know, and There are a couple of people that I it, that are well known in the business that I deal with periodically and I see that and I go, eventually it catches up.
1: It's, it's gotta. It's, yeah. But you know. It's like I, I, running for office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, running for office has got to be um, It's There's a little bit of delusion that you have to have. I'm not quite delusional enough to have gotten past it. Like, I would kind of laugh at myself on stage. We'd be up there and you're just rocking. I'm like, you're not that good, you know, in a funny way. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like It's like, OK, come on, come on. And the truth is God's given me way more than I deserved and in the direction I needed it in, because the truth is I wouldn't have handled I'd be dead. I'd be dead if we had, if our artist career had worked. I really believe I would have. Um, I needed the ego reduction right when I got it. And when I say reduction, it wasn't like disappearance, it was reduction and as life goes on and more and more and more and you just kind of have to go apologize to like anyone I met in the 90s, I'm sorry, and and uh, kind of move on with life and you grow. And that's, I don't think I was the worst person in the world, but I definitely.
2: You were, ne- I mean, you couldn't have not and be who you are now.
1: No, but there were things about myself that I, when you said I didn't like who I was when, when you were with Lance. I think everyone's got a period and you go I just became something when I was drinking and using that I was not comfortable with this is not you're a liar you're a piece of trash and um, it's kind of hard to be who God wants you to be when you're constantly inebriated on anything
2: but I mean inebriated or ego like (laughs) uh, like I look at Certain politicians and I go, what's the difference in being inebriated and buying into your own shit or hiding under your own shit or feeding a whole, you know. Uh-
1: hey, we work in an industry full of people drunk on their own Kool-Aid. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to do. And, um-
2: and I will tell you one thing. I didn't drink my own Kool-Aid, but I also didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because I didn't drink my own Kool-Aid.
1: Makes you, know, you who you are though you never came off like like I mean I guess I didn't realize but when I met you in the 90s uh briefly and I, I you're you're one of those people that I wish I had gotten to spend more time with as things went along you're like damn that's but you are awesome in like every way um I'm I'm proud to be your friend I'm so proud of you I love your music I always have you're influential beyond what you think and beyond what you're gonna be comfortable with so
2: I know I can't it's I can't, yeah I can't do I anything I, for
1: you except for the, the imposter syndrome. You got to get rid of that. You're I'm not an imposter. Compliments.
2: I'm, like, nah.
1: I'm an imposter. <laughs> Believe me, you, you can get rid of that one. I mean, you can, the, the rest of them all that you sit with, but yeah.
2: Well, I'm so I'm I'm really honored to be here. And um, I, I think what you're doing is monumental and I will carry this around with me for a long time.
1: You're a t- t- really? great, right great
0: human,
2: huge huge human um, being. I love you. Thank you. I love you, you. too. All righty. Gosh. That was so mm. good. tuning in to the Good
0: Aw- hey! so, Grief, nah. so good, so good, good, oh. feel- good, good God Show. As always, the Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you loving memory of Sage Michael.